And uh, we're down in uh, verse number 3 this morning. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. You made it. Okay. Romans chapter 5. Uh, last time we looked here at verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And as we, we looked uh, last time at those three benefits of justification, in verse 1 and 2, wherefore, I'm sorry, therefore being justified by faith, we have, and, and these issues of we have, the, the benefits, the issue there of we have peace with God. And the, the thing about peace, uh, all's, everything's good, you know. It's a wonderful thing to, to when everything is good to go, you know, and there's no turmoil and there's no... Um, unrest or anything like that, we can never offend, again, the justice of God. His righteousness, His holiness can never be offended ever again. Now, we, we in our lives, we do things and kind of mess up here and there, and so we do things that are offensive, but we can never be held again um, accountable for those act activities because we have been justified and we have peace with God. It's done. Verse 2, by whom also, uh, and again, there's an also, so here's another one. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And, and again, all three of these, peace and access and hope, all are talking about our standing in Christ. That's, who we're talk that's what we're talking about. Um, and so we have access, again, by faith, access, a path, a door, into our standing in Christ, into who we are in Christ, into the, the room of, of, of it all. And then we are going to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And, and that... <laughs> That, that rejoicing and hope of glory, our participating, our participation in, in, in the plan of glory that the Father has established, and it becomes our glory. And, and really, we're talking about our future. So our peace, here's our past. We have peace with God. Our access into this grace right now in the present time, and our future glory issue over here. Now, all three positions are there because we have been, we are therefore being justified. We're justified. And so we have the penalty of sin dealt with. Then we have the presence of sin dealt with. And then we have the power of sin dealt with. And, and again, as God, in God's eyes, these are all done. You're glorified. We looked over in chapter 8 there. In past tense, it's done. Now, in our eyes, it isn't done. Why? Because we're toiling away here still. But in his eyes, it's all done. It's interesting. Come over to Matthew 28, just kind of thinking about this. And we're going to get into verse number 3. But look at Matthew 28, and look here at verse 16, the end of the book. The Lord has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's been out showing uh, the many infallible proofs, Acts 1. He's been dealing with the, the, the 12 specifically, uh, well, the 11 specifically, and about uh, what's coming and what's happening. And then he's dealing with the little flock about I'm leaving and so forth. And he says here, verse 16, Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Now, watch what he says here. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
So is that a done deal? The answer is yes. Now, the reality of it is, in the program, some things have to still carry out, okay? He's leaving in Acts 1, I'll come back to Romans 3, he's leaving. But when he's talking to the 11, he's talking to them as if what? It's already done. The program will carry out, Israel's program will carry out through the book of the Revelation, and at the end of the book of the Revelation, when the establishment of the kingdom happens, in those, that millennium uh, part of it, the, thousand, the first thousand years, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to do the next two verses there in Matthew 28, where he says, you're going to go to ye therefore and teach all nations. Nations, plural, the Gentiles. You, what you guys are going to do in the kingdom is you're going to go out now and teach the nations and do and so forth. He's talking to them as if what? It's all done. There's no question about whether this is going to be done or not. So when you come into you and I here in Romans 5, guess what? Therefore being justified, it's done. Never to be revisited again in our thinking. Because in, the, in our standing in Christ, what is it? It's done. Now you come into verse 3. So we're up on the mountaintop. We're, in, we're talking about rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're up in the clouds. And then in verse 3, Romans 5, 3, he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now he's going to talk to us about tribulations. And it's like, wait a minute, Paul. You just had us up in the mountaintop. Now you got us down here in the gutter. What are you ta- what's going on here? What, you, you just gave us this wonderful doctrinal treatise in verse 1 and 2 about our standing and who we are and all this that we have, and now you want to talk about tribulations? What's up? You see, that's how we think about this, right? Like, dude, a bummer, you know, bummer, dude. You know, it's like, what's going on here? But yet, when you get into the passage, which we're going to, you begin to understand that this conversation, and not only so, is a, becomes a natural flow of the sound doctrine. And, and so it's going to be critical to see this week, next week, when we talk down through verse 3 to 5. Paul, he's dealing with our eternal standing. We have peace, we have access, we have hope. What do we anticipate? Our hope, right? That future. That, that issue of we, uh, he, he has us up in the mountaintops. We're good to go. Come over to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Um, by the way, I will tell you, Greg walked in, just reminded me. We, we changed out. We have new speakers in the ceiling. So if you hear me go up or down, they're adjusting the controls, okay? Uh, for the folks on the Internet, hopefully you just hear me. <laughs> Uh, I think we're fine there. Colossians 1, look if you will at verse 27. You see, he's been dealing, we're dealing with this eternal standing, 127, to whom God would make known which, what is the riches of, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. What's our expectation? What are we looking for? Well, in 5.2, we're rejoicing in hope of the glory of God, he's got us up on the mountaintop, but then in verse 3, he starts talking about tribulation, and, and, it, and it, began, it appears that Paul is digressing in, in what he's talking about, but rather he's not. What he's doing is he's yanking you back to reality. Here's reality, <laughs> okay? Yes, what is reality for us? We are, we have that hope of glory. We have the standing in Christ. But you know what? God has us there already, but we're not quite there yet in our experience. And what we're going to see here as we go down through verse 5, or verse 3, 4, and 5, and really on into 6, 7, and 8, the rest of chapter 5 and forward, is we're going to see that there is a tremendous connection between the hope of the glory of God and, and again, that's what's going to be manifested in us and through us. And there's a connection between the hope and tribulation. 
that they're literally going to go hand in hand. They go together. And actually, in reality, they belong together. So there's a natural thought process, a natural sequence here, a progression now in the sound doctrine so that you and I can continue to grow and to mature and to develop and, and become, I, I, I have a message I haven't taught in probably 50, I was looking through my old notes uh, called Paul Doesn't Want No Wimpy Believers. I was on a wimpy believer trip or something there. You know, and, and he doesn't. We're to, we're, to, we're to stand strong. We're to be good soldiers. We're to war in the right warfare and so forth. And what's happening is, is, is this now becomes an issue about tribulation that we have to have proper thinking about an adjustment. Um, it, one time I heard this passage to be called the Holy Tribulation, H-O-L-Y, okay, holy, you know what that means, to, to be set apart for particular use. The word sanctified, the word saint is the same word. You know, we are useful. God has deliberately set us apart from something and made us useful for his glorious purpose, holy, set us apart, then you think about tribulation. <laughs> it, all that is connected with tribulation. Heartache, turmoil, grief, gloom, dark, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> there was no bad luck. I'd have no luck at all. Right? Stress. All that stuff that's associated with tribulation we are to recognize we need to understand the sanctified purpose that God has for that tribulation when we have the understanding that God has I love this, I wrote it down, and or has ordained all that tribulation to produce something in our lives. I love that. Because what happens is, is when we look at tribulation, we never look at it that way. Our old flesh flares up, and we look at it in a fleshly manner, and you know what's going to happen? God, we're going to learn, and, and we're going to learn from Paul, and we're going to see here we have this wonderful, tremendous standing in Christ, and then yet tribulations are going to come up, and they're going to be designed to produce something in us so that, you know what, we don't fall apart in the tribulation, that we don't become broken and busted. It, it doesn't become a problem in our lives, but rather we look at it and there's a spiritual benefit in it for us. And we have our adjustment here. Again, he just, he's just dealing with us about our hope and these benefits and who we are. And he says, okay, you're going to take all of that, and now you're going to go over here and live life, and guess what life's going to do? It's going to smack you. But when it smacks you, have the proper thinking process about it, the proper, proper understanding of what's going on, and guess what will happen? It will produce a benefit rather than be... A negative. We don't have to run away from it. We don't have to be carried away. We don't have to become resentful. Rather, it allows us to appreciate and to value that purpose that God has. Again, I love that word ordained, set for the tribulation to have in our lives. You're, you're in Romans 5, verse 3, I hope, right? Okay. See, folks, we, we have to have a divine viewpoint on this issue. And not only so. Not, not, not only so. Yes, there's our standing, but guess what? Here's some other stuff, too. Not only do you have this standing, but now you've got something else going to happen. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Now, 
Notice it doesn't say that we glory in spite of the tribulation. See that? It says we glory where? In it. See? Our thinking. How do, you, how do we usually think about trouble? When trouble comes, what do we want to do? Run the other way. Trouble comes in that door, I'm making a new door back here, right? Yeah? Isn't that what we want to do? We want to, we, 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 we want to go and fix it, get away from it. We try to ignore. We glory in tribulation. Guess what? It's coming. <laughs> I, I, I love that. It's a natural consequence of the sin curse. It's coming. Whatever the, tribu- the troubles are, you know what? We're, we try to ignore it. What, is cult, what does our society do today? Positive thinking. Have a positive thought about it, a positive attitude. Just grin and bear it, the old Catholic mentality. If you ain't hurting, you got to hurt some more, you know, hurt harder. I'll have a happy thought about it. So you get the positive quotes coming in, bombarding you every day in Facebook or Twitter or wherever you get it. You see, that's how our flesh thinks about it. What does verse 3 say? No, we're going to do what? We're to glory in it. We are to take, that word glory. We have to, when you say that you glory in something, what you're saying is, is you found the value in it. You found honor in it, respect and esteem. So we have to have a particular viewpoint that recognizes the worth, the value of the tribulation, of the trouble. We have to know something about that. That's why the next verse, the next word he says in tribulations also, knowing that, knowing. We're to know some things about this. We're to come along and, and, by the way, you know why it says also knowing? Because it's not natural for you and I to look at trouble and go, woohoo, give me some more. That's not, people think you're nuts, don't they? You know, I, I've done that. I, you talk to people and they're trying to escape it. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Think about 2 Corinthians 12. I, I don't know if you've ever really thought about the Apostle Paul in trouble, tribulations. So first of all, in, in Romans 5 verse 3, it's not an unnatural thing for him to talk about tribulation. It's a, progress, it's a natural uh, thought process here. Because where we, we're, we're, we are so excited about our standing, and then yet what's going to come up? What's the reality going to be? <laughs> it's coming. All right? And it's part of it. 2 Corinthians 12, the, the Apostle Paul, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Think about Paul. He asked three times to have the thorn in the flesh depart. I know what the question is, is what's the thorn in the flesh? You know what? It's not, it's not told us what the thorn in the flesh is. Because you could say it's his physical eyesight issues and health. Okay. But it could also be the people that are attacking him, started in chapter 10, that have been dogging him. It could have been literally Satan come up, a messenger, and sitting right on his shoulder messing with him. It doesn't, he does not clarify that. I don't care what the guys say. All right? Because if he does, guess what's going to happen? Everyone in this room is going to have that issue. Because what do they want to do? They want to say, well, I have a thorn in the flesh, and boom, you know, I'm somebody. <laughs> if he said the thorn in the flesh was rooting for, for Alabama football, roll tide, you Ohio State people would have a hard time, wouldn't you? No, okay. <laughs> All right. No, what would happen? Everybody in the world would be Alabama Crimson Tide football fans. Why? Because, well, that's what it says. Well, that's us. No, that's not the point. 
The point is the next verse. That's the point. By the way, Paul had a legitimate reason for asking for the flesh, the thorn in the flesh to be removed. You know that? Chapter 11. Look, look, just look back. He had a legitimate reason. Paul is not like praying like you and I pray when we, get our, we, when we stub our toe in the shower. <laughs> you know, get a broken fingernail or something and start bawling. Paul had a legitimate physical reason. He was legitimate. Chapter 11, you start there in verse 22, verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more and labors more abundant and stripe above measure and prisons more frequent and death oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day. And you just read down through down about verse 28, 29 there. And you know what? Paul was physically abused. By the way, that thing there in the shipwreck issue in verse 25, there's, there's actually a fourth one that's not here in, in the book of Acts that's recorded. And there's potential to be two other ones so that he, he could have been shipwrecked at least six times. He only has three of them here. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. See, so when he comes over in chapter 12 and says, hey, I besought the Lord three times, he's not over here just, you know, crying wolf. He has a legitimate point. And what did the Lord do? Verse 9 is a tremendous passage. And he said unto me. The answer to the Paul's prayer is, what did the word of God say to Paul? That's the answer to all of our prayers. What does the word of God say? And he said unto me. Now watch what he says. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What the Lord does is he reminds Paul about something that he already has in his standing in Christ. See that? He doesn't say, Paul, no. He, you know what? He doesn't say no to Paul, by the way. He says what? My grace is sufficient. He says, listen, I have fully equipped you, Paul, to handle the tribulation, the troubles, in, in, in who you are in me. And what did Paul need? He needed to be reminded of that. See that? That's the whole thing. Therefore, being justified, we have. And you know what happens? We need to be reminded of that. And Paul was reminded of that. That's why he'll say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See that? What is Paul's answer? I'm good to go so that the power of Christ, the power of the peace that I have, of the access that I have, of the hope that I have, all of that sound doctrine, go back to Romans 5, all that sound doctrine, I can glory in that. And what the Lord's doing with Paul is he's reminding Paul, don't think the old way of thinking. You need to think in this who you are thing, <laughs> the new way. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You have a new perspective now. You have a new identity. You have a new way to think this down through. You see, folks, we're to recognize the value in the tribulation because there's something that God has intended for that tribulation to accomplish in our lives. Now, he doesn't send the tribulation, okay? He's not going to test you. He's not trying to teach you. 2 Corinthians 10, um, over there he says that it's common to man, all right? It's life. 5.3, we glory... In tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We're to know something, something about tribulation. When tribulation comes, 
what part of you usually flares up the most? Your emotions do, don't they? But notice what he says, knowing. You see, we're not to operate on the basis of our emotions. Now, emotions are there. They're good. They're, they're just dumb. Okay? You know that. Watch a movie. One minute you're laughing, you're up. The next minute you're down going, oh, he should have seen him coming. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, get him. All right, well, two to the head. Bam. <laughs> you know? And you know what? Nothing on that screen is real. What's it designed to do? Pull you, tug you. You know, the, there was an article I read 20-something uh, years ago. A sign of a good preacher. Have you laughing one minute and crying the next? Really? That's an emotional swing, isn't it? And we don't, we are to know something. Knowing that, we operate on the basis of knowledge, not our emotion. We don't let our circumstance dictate how we are to respond and to do. We say, look, in this we can do this, we can do that. Our Christian lives can never, will never operate on the basis of ignorance. It just doesn't work that way. So when you look here, come over to Philippians 4, we're to learn something. Ultimately, we're going to, you know what we're going to learn ultimately about tribulation? Is that it works, doesn't it? And we're going to learn to be as Paul here, and that is to say, I'm going to trust God's word on this and not run after my fickleness. I'm going to trust God. Tribulation worketh patience, and patience what? Experience. And, and experience worketh what? Hope. Okay? But experience tells you what? Well, I've been here. We'll work down through this. We'll be good to go. Okay? No matter what the tribulation is, we can do what? I've been here before. Okay? Philippians 4, look at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Boy, that verse is so loaded right there. Paul, in, in over to the Corinthians, he's talking about these folks here. He says they were, they were in ex deep, extreme poverty and yet they gave. First they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave to me. And he says, hey guys, I, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, N not because you guys gave, sent me a gift, down in verse uh, 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says, man, you know why I'm excited about hearing from you guys and being around Epaphroditus and doing this stuff? It's because I see the doctrine working in you. And because it's working in you, you know what you're doing? You've taken care of me and my physical needs. Okay, but now watch verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. He tells them in Corinthians over there, don't, you guys are in extreme poverty. You got your own bills to pay. I'm not taking the gift. And you know what they say? Yeah, you are, and they slip it in his back pocket. <laughs> yes, you are. Don't, Paul, you know what they say to Paul? Paul, how dare you take away our privilege of taking care of you. Don't do that. See. So he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have what? Learned. You see, this was not a natural thing for you and I. It wasn't natural for Paul. What did he learn? In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. See that? He he doesn't say, I've learned to work a job. He was already working a job. He says, I've learned that in whatever state I am, they're in prison in Philippi. 
He's sick. Epaphroditus is nigh unto death. He's got, there's turmoil going on all around him. And he says, you know what I've learned? That there's a benefit in the tribulation if I view it properly. There's a benefit here. There's a proper thinking process that the sound doctrine, verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all, in, in all things. I am, what's that next word? Instructed. The sound doctrine has come into Paul. Paul says, consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding and what? All things. Peter says, you know what? There's some things in there hard to understand. I don't even have them. Paul says, I've got it all. I under, understand. we got all the doctrine and its design is to instruct me. That ought to pop in your mind, 2 Timothy 3, 17, 16. All, doctrine, all scripture is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, and what? Instruction in righteousness. Paul says, look, guys, I've learned because I've been instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. How does Christ strengthen him? Ephesians chapter number 3 Verse number 16, the Spirit strengthens the inner man. How does he strengthen me? In the inner man, through his word working in me. So when we're talking here about glorying in the tribulation, also knowing, we're talking about knowing some things, having some knowledge, having some, some understanding, not letting our circumstances dictate, not letting our emotions run wild. We have a proper thinking progression through the issue. By the way, if there's trouble there, there's something going on, right? Usually, <laughs> you know, I got in a truck the other day, it wouldn't start. All right? What's the first thing a vehicle needs to start? A battery, right? Usually. Okay? And gas. And a what? Spark, air, and fuel. There you go. Guess what I didn't have? Spark. I had air and fuel. A lot of hot air, but air and fuel. You know? So I turned it down. I put the charger on it. Got the battery juiced up. Took it over to AutoZone. They put everything on. Battery's good. Everything's good. So then now, the, now what do we have? We got something else going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Chevy. So, <laughs> okay, there you go. You know, where's the duct tape? All right, now we got to, so, you know, we got got to, I got it fixed and rolling and it's parked out back. <laughs> the thing is, is what do you, you know something's going on. But what happens is, is you got to come along and you got to have the proper thinking about it and the process and, and to think about the stuff properly. Come back with me to Deuteronomy 28. When we talk about knowing tribulation, knowing that tribulation, you talk about tribulation, come to Deuteronomy 28. Here the, is the view of most of Christendom today when you talk about trouble and tribulation and problems. What do they usually say? God is trying to teach you, discipline you, correct you, get you, right? When in reality, God is not doing that at all. He just reminded Paul, and Paul reminds us that we are already fully equipped in our inner man to do what? Deal, handle, glory in whatever is there because we understand we have the proper thinking processes about it that there's something here now that God God has set there that I can learn and I can do and I can work through Deuteronomy 28 if we're in Deuteronomy 28 where are we at time passed but now are the ages to come time passed right simple question we're in Israel's program, but yet here's where most people get the idea about God disciplining people and so forth and, and getting them. 
28, look at verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations on the earth. By the way, on this chart, the reason Israel is at the top is because of that verse right there. He'll go down there in verse 13, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. That's why on this chart, Israel is at the head. They're at the top. Who are they? They are God's people, right? But what do they have to do? What's the condition in verse, 20, verse 1? They have to do what? They have to keep all the commandments, don't they? Okay? Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So all the blessings, he's going to list them down to verse 14. Okay? All the blessings are going to do what? They're going to come and they're going to overtake them. Win the day. Down, all the way down to verse 14. So when you are in it, by the way, if you're ever in Israel's history and you're studying them and you're reading about them and they are, well, they're, they're having troubles, then guess what they're not doing? Hearkening to the commandments of the Lord. Look at verse 3. Blessed shalt, shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, increase of thy kind, and the flocks of the sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store, and off you go. When you read in Israel's history anywhere about a famine whether it's a famine of children, can't have kids, or it's a famine in the fields, guess what ought to come to mind? Deuteronomy 28, because guess what they're not doing? Starting verse 15, now you got a list of the curses. Okay? But if, verse 15, it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, all these curses shall come upon thee and what? Overtake thee. So guess what? If you got trouble in your life, what does mainline Christianity say? You, ain't, you, you, you don't got enough faith. You ain't doing something God wants you to do. So he's teaching you and he's overtaking you and he's running everything so he can do... And you go, yeah, that's what's going on. And Paul says, no, it's not what's going on. <laughs> and, and, and mainline Christianity says, yes, it is, because it says it right there. Now drop down to verse 27. If they're not doing and hearkening to, he's going to curse them, isn't he? Now watch verse 27. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt. That doesn't sound good, does it? the botch of Egypt, and with the emerald, and with the scab, uh-oh, and with the itch, therefore thou canst not be, what? Healed. Why can't you get over your illness? He's unsmite me with the botch of Egypt. That's why. <laughs> no. What's that word say? You're not following, you're not obeying my word, so guess what? You can't be healed. Verse 35, the Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs, after crawling around upstairs, I, I know that feeling, with the sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head. That's a whole body problem, isn't it? You know, I rolled over this morning and went, oh, man. You know? But the Lord, I can't be healed if I'm not, follow, if I'm not hearkening to the word, right? Paul says, no, that's not how it works today. Verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed. Uh-oh, is there much glory and hope in that? No, not at all. Because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee, and they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder and upon thy seed forever. Look at that. You guys, when things happen in your life, it's a sign from God that you're not where you ought to be in the will of God. 
There's a preacher somewhere saying that this morning from his pulpit. See, it's a sign. Where did they ever wonder where they get it from? Right here. (laughs) Your suffering is a sign from God that you're not living right. Come on over to 1 Corinthians 10. Or, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10. You see, what happens here is, is that mainline Christianity doesn't understand the word rightly divided. They go back to Deuteronomy 28 and they say, listen, we want to have God's blessing this morning, so you need to make sure your offering is your at least your 10%, if not a little more, that'd make it better. That way we can have the blessing of the offering and we'll do all this stuff. And you know what happens? The moment it doesn't, the next Sunday the preacher is sitting there going, all right, all you cursed people, you're not doing what the word of the Lord says. And because of that, your car's going to break down, your house is going to burn down, your family's going to get sick and die. By the way, you're going to get sick and die anyway, okay? And he's got all this doom, and God ain't going to protect you. He's not, because you didn't obey the word from God's man. And people go, okay, here, let me write a big, you know. And it's like, wait a second. You guys are, this isn't how this works. That's why he says, knowing that tribulation, you've got to understand how and the purpose of the tribulation and how it's designed to work. Look at 2 Corinthians 10. A lot of going on in 2 Corinthians 10, but I want you to notice something here. Verse 7. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Now, what was Paul's outward appearance? 2 Corinthians 10, 7. Was he a good-looking Superman, Fabio-type guy? No, man, chapter 11, he's getting a tar beat out of him. Could you imagine being beaten with a rod? That's going to break a bone. And you can't run to the urgent care and have it reset. You're doing it right there, you know. Give me your, give me your, your belt, <laughs> you know. I think, of, uh, anyway, I won't tell you what I think. Of. The movie I was thinking about, sorry. But see, the thing is, is he, but you know what? This religious guy that's after him, if any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, there's a guy that's following Paul around, and you know what he's saying? He's saying, look at Paul, and look at all of the stuff that happens to this guy, because he's not God's man, because he's not in the will of God. Because he's in Deuteronomy 28. He's not hearkening to the word. Don't you know that the word of God says that we're to follow Moses and the law and we're to be doing some that, not this grace and stuff over here. What Paul is teaching you isn't right because just look at the guy. Do you look at outward appearances? The religious system does, doesn't it? Thank you. I hear your head rattle. Come on. Look at verse 10. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. They say, just look at the guy. He goes in and has a Bible study for four people. If God was really in it, the room would be packed. By the way, about four or five, that's our Wednesday night meeting. Come over to 1 Corinthians 10. I've had people, we've had people come in here and go, oh, you're so small. God, and then I talk to them later, and God's not in you guys, because if you, if God, and I'm sitting there going, show me in Scripture, by the way, where God operates in the big. He never does. Do you, do you remember Gideon? How many did Gideon start out with? Thousands. How many did he end up with? A couple hundred. I think 300. Yeah, 300. God never works in the big. He's always working in a little remnant, in a little group. But what does is, what is Christianity, what does religion say? 
we got to have the big, baby. Come on. Because what does it make us look? Not weak. What did, what did the Lord say to Paul, 2 Corinthians 12? In your weakness, I am made strong. Our natural response to it is to say, I don't want to look weak and let's get on with it. And, and God just says, no, you don't understand the tribulation. Did I tell you 1 Corinthians 10? If not, that's where you need to be. You see, folks, they looked at Paul on his outward appearance, and you know what they said? God's not with that guy. Don't listen to him. Just look at him. If he was really God's man, he would be healed. He would be protected. He would have a hedge about him. He would have angels on both shoulders, the good angels, on both shoulders, boom, going at And you know what happens? That is not how God's working today when it comes to the issue of tribulation. How is he? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We'll spend some more time here next week. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Again, why did my truck start the other day? Battery didn't go. By the way, it ended up being in the charging system, okay? (laughs) And the computer saying, we have a disconnect. I hate computers. That's why I love my 1958. It's literally air, fuel, and spark. <laughs> no computers. <laughs> and points. That's the, yeah. But see, the thing is, is the computer said no. And I had to, take, I had to get it to the dealer so the dealer could reset the computer because I'm looking at going computer. I just throw them away and get a new one. You know, he's like, you can't do that with this one, <laughs> you know. What does he say? It's all common to man. Things are happening. But now look at the next part of that verse. But God. Never forget the but gods. But God is what? Faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? That's why it's common to man. Everybody suffers at the same level. This is a tremendous verse. You know what that verse, that's telling you? You ain't special. Well, when I got saved, and hey, man, God got something special. He said, no, I didn't. You're not special. Well, God's over here trying to get me to teach me because I'm going to be used over here. No, you're not special. The trouble comes in your life because why? It's common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? But will, with the temptation, also make a way to, notice, escape. Now, it'd be great if that verse ended there, because then God's going to do what? Remove the trouble. But it doesn't. It continues. That ye may be able to what? How do I escape it and bear it at the same time? That's the quandary, isn't it? Why? Well, who am I in Christ? What do I have, Romans 5? I have peace with God. I instantly know God's not trying to get me, don't I? Yeah, I got peace with the guy. We're on good level. We're on good communication. I have an access into this grace by faith where we stand. You know what? I've got access into some doctrine that's designed to help me to deal with the trouble. And then I got a hope of the glory of God. I know I'm glorified. I got a hope over here. I've got something that's anchored my soul to the fact of who I am in Christ. And you know what I'm able to do? Escape it and bear it. Because now what's working in my life? The sound doctrine, not me. See, how do you want to, the formula for dealing with, temp, with trouble is get you out of the way. Yeah, but it's happening to me. Yeah, but get you out of the way. Yeah, but Rick, it's, my, it's me. I know it's you. But it's got to get you out of there so that the sound doctrine can do what? Come in and begin to work. Absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is That is a mental attitude about life right there, both of those. Yeah, but Rick, so you go over here and kill. I'm not talking about killing yourself. (laughs) Please, don't. 
talking about how to adequately function and picture and look at it. Go back to Romans 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also knowing. You see, we know some things about tribulation. We know it's not a sign from God. We know that it's not him testing you or you're someone special. He's not him trying to teach you or hurt you. It's none of that. But rather what God is going to do here and he's going to teach, knowing that tribulation worketh. That's the verse over in 2 Corinthians 4. You look over there at 2 Corinthians 4. Man, I just, this is rabbit trail stuff. I'm not, my notes are shot. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Ephesians 4, he says, that should be renewed in the spirit of your mind. For our light affliction. Oh, it ain't light, Rick, it's heavy. I know, I didn't say it, God said it. Yell at him. Our light affliction is but for a what? A moment. Next verse, next word. Worketh for us. We glory in we don't run from it. We don't go, oh my goodness, we're victim. Yeah, victimology, big, big thing today. Be a victim. No, you're not a victim. You are a victor. You're not a victim to this. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And verse 18 is a great definition verse of what it is to walk by faith. A walk by faith is looking at the things that are not seen. Just simply come back to Romans 5, trusting what God's word says to me. He didn't say Deuteronomy 28 to you. He said that to Moses and the nation of Israel. You know what he says to you and I? When trouble comes your way, it's common to man, number one, Number two, there's a way for you to deal with it and have it become victorious in your life rather than a victim. Okay? 5-3. <clears throat> we have, uh, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We know some things, and because we know some things, guess what we don't do? We don't run from it. We work through it. Now, when you talk about tribu tribulation and patience and experience and hope, there's some things here about tribulation that we're to know. One, it's reality. Come back with me to Acts chapter 14. We know, so one is reality Two, there's a result, and three, there's a reward. Now, we're going to look at all of these. We're going to look at reality here just quickly, and then we'll talk more about these. Because we're knowing that tribulation, we know some things about tribulation. One, it's reality. Look at Acts 14. Acts 14. There's a great misnomer out there in Christendom that says that when you become a Christian, life becomes easy. And life just becomes tiptoe through the tulips, and it's all rose garden, and smell the roses, while you, and all this stuff, because God is going to protect you and put a hedge about you, right? And go back into Israel's program and name and claim those verses. But rather, look at Acts 14. Look at verse 22. As Paul is beginning his apostolic journeys, and he's out beginning to work in the body of Christ, he says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we might, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Did I read that right? No, I got it way wrong, didn't I? What does it say? That we must, must, through much tribulation. Acts 14.22. Folks, we must... You know what that is? That ain't optional. 
There's no appeal process. There's no way to go to say, hey, come on, God, give me a break here for a moment. No, we must. There's no secret formula to get God to protect you, to shield you, to put a hedge about you. So what do we know the reality of this is? We must. You see, there, there's some things that we're going to have to accept that tribulation is a part of our experience. It's a part of our edification. And the sooner, come back over to Romans 8, the sooner that we accept under Romans 8, accept that tribulation is going to be a part of our existence, our edification process. The sooner that we can accept that and we can begin to understand that, then that's as soon as we can then employ the sound doctrine that is resident in our inner man to come along and to cause us to glory in tribulation. Cause us to see the value and the worth, the profit in it. By the way, don't go seeking trouble, you know. Let trouble kind of find you, because it will. But don't go looking for trouble, all right? But when trouble does find you, man, if we are always looking to run from it, then we'll never utilize the sound doctrine that will produce what God is seeking to produce in our lives. And that's his glory, his life living out, living in us, and then out through us. Romans 8, verse 17, the reality here. And if to children, then heirs and heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we might be also glorified together. Suffer with him, it's going to happen. Verse 18, for I reckon, I love that, reckon. Count it, it's going, count it to be true, to be so. Make it so that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what we understand? We understand about the glory. We spent two months looking at it. It's going to be revealed. We got that. We're looking forward to that. But, man, when it comes to tribulation, we ain't looking forward to it. And Paul's like, no, wrong, bad thinking. We know. You ought to be looking forward to the tribulation. Why? Because it gives you an opportunity to utilize the sound doctrine in you to, to... produce in you some wonderful things in life. Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Uh, There's a ton of categories of suffering, not a ton, but a lot of them. And when we get over in Romans 8 here, we'll spend time looking at the different categories. But one of the categories is that bondage of corruption, the curse on creation. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together. And not only they, but ourselves also. You know what? The whole, the whole system's groaning. Why? Because of sin. Come over to 2 Corinthians 7. Got to go quick now. My rabbit trails got us off. 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7. And verse number 4. You see, folks... There's no, we're not immune to it. There's no way to appeal to Deuteronomy 28 and say, hang on, Lord, I'm following your word. I'm doing what you told me to do, so protect me. We don't have any any claim, legitimate claim on any of that, but what we do have is we have the Holy Spirit working in us. That'll be down in verse 5 of chapter 5 of Romans, shed abroad in our hearts. And when he's working with us, what does he use? He uses that sound doctrine. And he gives us a proper viewpoint so that we have peace to deal with the tribulation. Look at 2 Corinthians 7.4. Sorry. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. 
This guy's crazy. What are you, nuts? But look at what he just said. I'm glad. I'm glorying. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceeding joyful. Glorying, filled with... You know what God wants to produce in your life through the issues of tribulation? Is that issue right there, joy. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 29, Paul says, For unto you it is given... In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It is given. Just as the gospel message is a free gift, guess what? Suffering is a free gift as well. It's coming your way. That's the reality of it. Philippians 3, verse number 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his, that I would know his, the fellowship of his suffering, the communion. I want to know his resurrection, the power of his resurrection. I, I want to know what it is to die daily. And I want to enjoy that intimate communion, fellowship in his suffering. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You see, folks, the reality is, is we're going to suffer. <laughs> it is given to us. We must. You're not going to get out of it. Yeah, but Rick, you don't know me. I do know you. You ain't going to get out of it. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in Holy Ghost, and in much assurance... As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much, what? Much assurance, much affliction, which, I'm sorry, with joy of the Holy Ghost. You know what they were having? They were having some joy in the middle of the tribulations. Why? They had a proper viewpoint of what was going on. God's not getting me. God's here trying to educate me, edify me. Chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3. Verse number 1, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus our brother and minister of God and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. We should not be what? Moved. Don't fall apart. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. What do we know? 2 Thessalonians 1. It's coming. That's the reality of it. And we know that it's there for, common to man and it's there to work for us. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse number 4. So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye, what? Endure. We, we develop the resolve and the character to bear it, to endure it, to work down through it. Verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Notice that we may be what? Counted, not made worthy, but counted worthy. We are worthy because we are what? Justified. But now there's something going on in the suffering, in the tribulation, that God has come along and said, you have the understanding, you're going to suffer, so let's be counted worthy of that. That's the goal. Let's be the one that God... I mean, God's ordained the suffering to happen. It's given. It's there. We're going to go through it. But let's be the one that says that we're going to take that suffering and have it be a part of 2 Timothy 3, our life, 
And you know what we can have? We can have the victory. Last passage, I promise. Five minutes over. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 10. Because here's our pattern. Now, we didn't go to 2 Corinthians 1 yet. We'll get there, okay? But here's our pattern. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered. How did the Lord deliver Paul out of all that? Paul, remember, my grace is sufficient for you. When you're weak, I'm strong. Paul remembered, was reminded over and over constantly of who he was in Christ. And he'll say, not I, but Christ. For to me to live is Christ. Now, the good verse is verse 12. Yea, and all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Isn't that wonderful? I, I, yay. All, and all, I, my nephew said, yay. I don't know if he's doing that or not. But what's he say? Look at that verse 12. And all that will, a choice of your will, a walk of faith to do what? To live godly. To come along and say, I'm going to live as who I am in Christ. Not I, but Christ that liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to avoid the religious nonsense. And I'm going to live as who I, I'm going to come to know and I'm going to come to understand and I'm going to be counted worthy. Because Romans 5 verse 3 says, and not only so, but we glory and we find the value and the worth and the tribulations. Knowing that, we know some things about tribulation. One, it's real. Two, there is a results to it. And three, there is a reward for it. And we'll get into those next time because now I'm 10 minutes over. So, okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the patience of the folks to listen, to study, and to be interested in the things of you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Back at 11.